Hi, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderfully nerdy things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. There's a lot of S's to say. Co-hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, welcome back. We are, in fact, back for... A, a an on time episode. I'm very don't proud of us. So. Don't don't say that. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. We're coming up to the holidays, so who knows? But um, I do think that um, well, a we deserve some credit, um, but also uh, I deserve some credit because I just like downed a very scary movie <laughs> because so that we could record this podcast. Yeah, so you deserve some credit for putting off and procrastinating for oh, We don't months. have to focus on that part. <laughs> Sorry for torturing you, Michal. But it's, it's like... It, it's, it's like a, the it classic of putting out the fire that you set. You know? It's okay, <laughs> now I can say that I've seen it. Uh, anyway, we are going to do our long-delayed uh, second round of our Challenge Accepted series, uh, in which we've all challenge each other to read, watch, or experience some kind of fandom thing that we're into and one of our other co-hosts is not. So, uh, we'll be getting to that in just a bit, but of course, first we're going to start off with our current obsessions. I think that Tamar should go first. Okay. It's funny, because I did just say that I wanted to go, I wanted to go last because I was blank, but I did come up with something, so don't worry. Uh, Okay, good. Well, I, I was really like... Oh, I should go first, and then I I do have an obsession. It has, however, flown out of my mind, so I will retrieve it and then go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I should go first? Yes, yes, go ahead. Okay. I actually, um, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember what I challenged either of you to. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember what you challenged me to, so I guess we only need to know what we were challenged with. Yes, let's lay it all out. Yes. And everyone knows what Tamar challenged me. Everyone. Yes, I know what I was challenged, and I know what Michal was challenged, but I I don't remember. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, ah, we... COVID. <laughs> anyway, Tamar, what is your current obsession? So I feel like anyone who listens to this probably always thinks, like, Tamar only watches, like, Asian TV shows. I, I do watch other stuff, but just, like, for our purposes, I'm picking another... Asian thing. Uh, last time it was Digimon. This week it's this uh, variety show called Hyori's B&B, like Hyori's Bread and uh, Bed and Breakfast, not Bread and be- Breakfast. Uh, it's um, it's this, it's like this really cheesy kind of TV show, like reality show that's on Netflix that um, aired in Korea, and it has this singer who's like, think of like a Spice Girl, and she then like when a, like Victoria Beckham essentially having like. Uh, random tourists in her house and she and her husband like David Beckham are in charge of like making sure they're comfortable and having dinner and like lights out and if someone has to like someone has like I think someone had like a an ulcer so he had to go to the hospital so they had to like take care of him and stuff so like they're literally like the producers of the show vetted guests for this show just to show up at their house these people are not you know they don't run a bed and breakfast generally they get like celebrity guests to come help them out and like clean their house like literally they have like top singers in korea just vacuuming and stuff and it's just a very like it sounds like in the u.s if you did it it'd be all about the drama but this is just so nice and rest 
like peaceful like there's a lot of yoga involved because the singer is a big yogi and so like she literally just like randomly the show will just stop like touring the island they live on and just go to like and you should do this pose if your back is hurting and stuff and it's just like very calming and it was uh these are i'm like really late on this too they already did two seasons before covid so it's kind of like nice like People are traveling and people are getting to, you know, explore their home and their island and stuff. It's not their island. They just happen to live on an island. And um, I don't usually like this sort of reality show. I usually like, like, cooking competitions or, like, one-offs. So this one's kind of fun for me to, like, have fun seeing how they, you know, grow as newly found hosts of a, of a bed and breakfast in their own home, which does not go well like they they don't know how many people are coming on any given day so so they like have some people sleeping in a tent and some people sleeping in an rv and it's just like you are what what and she's married to a very popular singer also and it's just like you are huge stars and celebrities like you have the money for another room but you have like your hippy dippy loft style life which is really cool but it doesn't work well for having guests so it's just a kind of a fun concept and it's from pre-corona so it's kind of nice and when I want to tune out the world I tune into that so I'm, I'm like halfway through the first season and I have another one and a half seasons and I'm very excited for that awesome that sounds like I would either love that or find it unbelievably stressful because <laughs> um, my mother is a big hoster of people so we've definitely had that like oh my gosh people are coming and we have to find a place for them to sleep in our house <laughs> and I uh, yeah but 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 we knew about it in advance. <laughs> it's so funny because every time, like you, every time they have a new guest, I start thinking that way too. Because like I know what it's like to host people, like Shabbos meals and stuff. But they're so calm, and like some guests are like really young, and some of them are older. Like they have an elderly couple who comes, and the like it's a bed and breakfast, so guests are allowed to like use their kitchen if they want. And, and, like, the older woman, like, literally these are retirees, she brings all her cooking stuff and just starts cooking food for everyone. And it's just like, oh, that's, like, my aunt. Like, she would do that. <laughs> but uh, it's just kind of fun and it's, like, it's not stressful. They don't make it stressful. Like, literally, you know, they go, you know, oh, they, they always make it out to be, like, sort of dramatic and then it's super not dramatic. It's like, oh, you know, there's four... 25 year old guys at the airport and there's no more room in the apartment what do they do they're on their way here so like they stress for like two seconds and then they're like oh we'll just hire a camping car it's like yes of course that's the normal reaction is let me hire an rv <laughs> like what <laughs> so i don't know if it's because it's oh, like man. pre-produced so some, so they probably freaked out and then producers were like no this is what we're gonna do or if like they actually are just this put together because like they have like six I think, like, five dogs and two cats just roaming around. Like, they are very freewheeling. But it's very entertaining, and I really um, enjoy it. Uh, it. It's a slow watch for me. Um, I think if, like, you're really dedicated to just sitting and watching, it's probably better. But I watch, like, while I'm cooking and stuff. So it takes me a while. But how about you? That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so my uh, current obsession is actually another Netflix reality show, um, Indian Matchmaking. I've heard uh, about this. <laughs> yes. So I was not intending on watching this. Um, and then my sister watched it and she was like, you have to watch this. Like, you, no excuses. People have very strong feelings about Aparna. That's, uh, yes. is that her name? Aparna. Aparna. Yeah. 
so she, so, well, okay, so, so my sister was like, you, ha- you have to watch this. It's, it's our lives, just Indian. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I've seen Bend It Like Beckham, whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, so, but yeah, it turns out uh, I did watch it and she is right. And it is equal parts like horrifying because the dates feel exactly the same. And it's like, you know, when you're just like, oh my God, we have nothing to talk about and we have to sit here for another hour at least. And like that kind of thing. Um, and then just like having your life picked apart by a matchmaker. Um, but so many things match up. Like they even have like resumes, but they call them biodatas where you like get all the info on everyone. And like the, the matchmaker has the same exact look on her face when you say like, here's what I want, I guess. And it's like, oh my God, she's, judging me seriously um and yeah it's the characters are 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 very interesting it's a very kind of eclectic group of people from around some some are in india and some are around the u.s and it it basically follows this matchmaker um seema uh taparia i think her name is and she she's a shaman she just she does she just does this and, you know, it's it's them talking about, like, arranged marriages versus love matches. And there's a difference in that, only in that, like, a love marriage, like, you weren't set up at all. So if you're set up in any, in any sense of the word, you're, you're an arranged marriage in India, which I found very interesting. Um, and, yeah, there's the family meetings and there's the, like cultural like you know we 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 don't want someone from this kind of family but we're not going to say it in those words we're going to kind of make it about having similar lifestyles and like you know just like depending on what place they're from and it 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 was frighteningly relatable um and yeah um i personally finally came down if anyone has watched it on team aparna because i thought that she's a lot She's she's one of the main featured um, matchies, uh, and she she definitely has a big personality and knows what she wants, and maybe knows a little too much about what she wants. But ultimately, I think like she's allowed to do that. She's entitled to do that. She's a she has a career and is an adult woman, and more power to her. And then and then at some points they like kind of do our version of like the lead lady. So they have like a face reader come and like look at you and like. The what and, lady? And, and, you know the lead lady who comes from Israel who pours... I've never heard of this. I have Please no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a <laughs> I haven't done lady. traditional Jewish dating, to be quite honest, so a lot of Me this neither, is like... But... I've heard horror stories from friends, and I know that these things very much happen in, like, my general vicinity, but I don't personally date, like, a normal person so (laughs) well i I wouldn't say that the lead lady is like standard practice but um but basically it's it's a lady who comes who lives in israel and if you pay her money she pours lead over you i'm not exactly sure how that works uh and she tells you if you have an ayanhara and obviously that's quite a popular thing yes that's quite a popular thing to do among singles um but, you know, it, was, it would be her or it would be going to any, like, rabbi or whatever, you know, and just being like, why aren't they married yet and all that stuff. Um, yes, give me a segula, so. something I can do. Exactly, exactly. I, I found it very, um, very shockingly relatable. I'm just going, I'm still on this lead thing. 
I, I yeah. don't know what the movie is called, but there's a movie about like a Muslim girl and a Jewish girl becoming friends because they're going through the arranged marriage process together. And like she doesn't get lead poured on her, but they definitely do some like witchcrafty stuff in a pot and I remember being like really weirded out I was like does this really happen in Borough Park and nobody could give me an answer but now your lead lady sounds very similar to that yeah I think I think it definitely is a thing there's definitely Kabbalistic I don't know I don't know what you call know. it it sounds extremely extremely <laughs> superstitious and one of those things that's seeped in from outside culture over time not necessarily true Jews are very superstitious I know but we have like a lot of the superstitions often get traced, you know, from other places and then they, yeah, somehow become part of our traditions. It's fascinating. Or like, yeah. or they're like, don't leave a glass, of, don't drink a glass of water that you've left out overnight because maybe there'll be a scorpion in it. Right. Yeah. Or, or a like, snake don't, venom. Don't snake have, venom. If, you le- if you use only half the onion, it has yeah. to have the half with the the root has to be left. Otherwise, it's a sakana. Like all of it is that how it works? Nonsense. I don't know. Okay, because I I was like somebody somebody was like to me like oh you're not supposed to just save half an onion. I was like well, you're, you can ridiculous. save it if you if you like put salt on it or something. But I definitely don't do that. I'm just like I'm just. Gonna I don't know. Salt. That's like I don't know. Like I understand you save an avoc- half an avocado and you put lemon juice on it, but like. There are reasons. <laughs> Maybe there are reasons. Like Ju- Judaism is not the only religion that thinks that onions are weird. Like in in uh, Hinduism, also in Buddhism, onions have like. Another, I mean, they make you cry. Like, so I feel like there's probably a lot of like lore connected to it because of that. That makes sense. I guess the toxins. All right. Well, now that we learned about the lead lady. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I do, I do recommend it, especially if you are kind of, like, either interested in, you know, uh, diverse but similar cultures to Orthodox Judaism, or just kind of want to, you know, relax with some very interesting personalities. Um, it would probably help if you are not single. It's probably less stressful that way. But, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely did enjoy it. So, SM, what is your current obsession? (laughs) Okay, my current obsession. So I think I've mentioned in the past about, um, I don't know if either of you use Discord. It's um, basically... Yes, I've started using Discord. <laughs> it's basically Now I have a, a Skype and Slack of, of... and Discord, and it's my life is just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Discord is a relatively new... Uh, platform, I think. I don't know how long it's been around. I think it was originally created in order to coordinate gaming, but it has expanded mm-hmm. way, way beyond that. Um, and it's basically um, a reemergence of chat rooms, and it's structured in such a way that there are different servers that you can join, and within each server there are multiple channels that you can talk and, and chat all the time with all of these different people who are in there. And the servers are generally they coalesce around some kind of niche in fandom. So, like, I had been, and I had been in, I had been in only a few of them, uh, because it is, there is so much going on, and there's so many channels, and people talking all the time, at all hours, in all time zones. So, like, it can get overwhelming very quickly. So, I only do, I'm only in a few of them, and I'm always hesitant to join more of them. And my favorite are the ones that are like, there's very little happening, but when something happens, then there's substantial, you know, good discussion. But yeah, they tend to be uh, 
be centered on some kind of fandom, like um, a particular ship in a fandom. So, like, naturally, the ones that I'm in center around Captain America and Iron Man, because everybody wants them to bang. And there's just... Um, the thing about it being part of a, a part of that kind of fandom is just like I was always having a hard time finding my particular niche within that because I I've just I engage by reading a lot of fic but mostly my my fandom experience has been of pod ficking and I really enjoy doing that but most of the people in these servers have been writers and artists and so they talk about, you know, their writing and their art, and I just feel like, you know, I don't necessarily have much to contribute in those discussions. So I just kind of, you know, I lurk and I don't really, I didn't really feel like it was quite what I wanted. And then I found that there was, that there is actually a podficking discord where, like, everybody talks about all the podficking stuff all the time. And I was just, I, I found, I don't know, i I think I found it on Twitter somehow. Somebody linked because there was there was some kind of event. Um, and then they linked to the Discord um, to talk to the mods. And then, yeah, so I ended up in this Discord and I just had so many awesome conversations. And it's the thing about Discord is that every server has its own kind of culture and you can't necessarily control what culture you end up in. Because, like, if that fandom culture, the fandom that you end up in, has a lot of people who are very strict and very, you know, very mockbid on the rules, um, and not necessarily welcoming to new people, then it can be an uncomfortable fandom experience. Um, but, and I have a friend who's been having a lot of those. She keeps getting into all these fandoms and doesn't feel like the, the fandoms are are welcoming and encouraging to, to new people. And there's all sorts of drama and all sorts of stuff like that. And I just keep ending up in these wonderful <laughs> discords where like, there's a channel called no question is foolish. And it's just encouraging people to ask any questions they possibly could have, like no matter how many times it's been asked before, just go for it and ask whatever you want. And <laughs> I have a question. How yeah. is it how is it different than like a Facebook group or Reddit? Aside from the like I guess it's faster because it's just group chats. Yeah, so it's it's group chats um and it's easy like the 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 channels on are like, you know, on a sidebar and mm -hmm. like it can it can be let me just like pull up and give you um actual examples. So for this uh they usually start with, like, you land on a platform and then you have to read the rules and then you have to, you know, say, I accept these rules or, like, react in some way to the rules and then you're then able to see too. the rest of the survey. Um, and then, so then there's, like, there's a general topic on this server, then there's off-topic, there's um, spoiler discussion, there's venting, there's NSF NSFW for sex, NSFW for violence, there's uh, resource links, um, recommendations, NSFW recommendations, events and festivals that are going on. Yeah, and like each channel on the side, you can you can click on the channel and you can read what everybody's written in the past. And on the header of each channel, there's like a small uh, explanation for what goes on in that channel. Um, and there are pinned posts that you can check in those channels. So like the important stuff, like if you you know go into the resource links. Um, channel and you want you know more information about audacity somebody usually will have pinned the really important basic stuff 
you know, like, you know, really good guides. And I've learned so much in just a very <laughs> little amount of time. Like, I've installed new plugins in my in Audacity in the past couple of days, and I have... Um, I found out that there's a way to preview your cuts before you actually cut them. If you um, press the C key after you highlight the bit that you want to cut out, it will start playback from a few seconds before your cut and then play over your cut and jump to after so that you can hear how it's going to sound when you cut it together before you actually make the cut. And it's like, game changer. <laughs> So, like, Audacity has all these features, but it's just not necessarily going to show up unless somebody tells you about them. So, um, it's just great to have um, a uh, a community where you can, like, ask anything and lurk on other people's conversations and gather all the intel. And, yeah, everybody's just really supportive and really nice. And, yeah, so... My recommendation for Discord is that, like, if you have a particular fandom that you're really, really interested in, um, there's probably a Discord for it. And if you're lucky, uh, that Discord will be full of awesome, really thoughtful, helpful people. And uh, you can give it a shot. And you can mute any channels that aren't of your interest to you. So you can make sure that you're, you know, somewhat managing your notifications that way. Because uh, otherwise it can, yeah, like I said, can get very overwhelming if there's lots of conversations happening at once and you're not that interested in all of them. So Are channels essentially threads? Um, like threads sort of, of I guess it's, it's sort of like a thread, but people just, the way D- Discord works. They're like more chaotic threads. Yeah, because it's not like there's a main post that people are commenting on continuously. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's just conversation on this general topic and people just hop in and out whenever they feel like it so mm-hmm. one of my one of my friends hates this because she's like i can't you know search for things and like nothing is in like very you know easy to access coordinated places um it's very very conversational and very ephemeral um but i happen to like that because it's not like Twitter in that it doesn't feel like everything you say is being documented and can be used against you in a court of law. Um, it's a very forgiving form of communication. Like everything, you know, is just, you say it in the moment and then it's gone. And yeah. And occasionally somebody might, you know, be like, Oh, somebody mentioned X, Y, Z fic. And I was wondering what, uh, if anyone remembers what that was, you know, um, and it's all, uh, and it's, it's, it's all very, I mean, again, it'll depend on the vibe of the, dis- of the server that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, cause some people may be less forgiving, um, and more apt to start drama and to latch onto things. But I think that for the most part, everybody in the ones that I'm in is just, you know, there to have fun and to support each other and to, you know, just geek out over the things that they like. Yeah, so they do have rules and stuff, but I've never seen anybody being like, okay, this discussion has turned racist. You know, it's it hasn't happened, you know? So it's, uh, it's really nice. So it is more successful than Reddit and Twitter and every other platform so far. I mean, again, like, it'll... I'm sure it depends on your server. I'm sure there are servers that are total trash fires. 
but um, it seems like maybe because of how niche and very how specific it is, it can be more successful and less trash fiery than Facebook. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Enjoy. Yeah. For example, if you want a Queen's Thief uh, Discord, there is a channel for that. I'm sure there is. Yeah, that book's coming out soon. I'm really nervous. <laughs> the one Discord that I'm in that's not Marvel is um, for Hank Green's... Hank Green wrote a couple of books, and the first one is called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing, abbreviated A-A-R-T. So, of course, fans started a Discord that's fans of An Absolutely Remarkable Thing, which is spelled FART. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the uh, Hank knows about it, Hank Green knows about it, and John knows about it, and they've, you know, repeatedly, like emphasize that it's pronounced fart <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> i love fandom okay <laughs> oh wow yeah so i don't i'm not active in that one so i don't really know what's going on in there but i joined it because i uh was curious about it when the book came out but yeah so there's just certain things that are you know will strike your interest more and then if you're lucky there will be a great community that's coalesced around it awesome well, uh, I can, I can uh, confirm some of some of that. Yes, it is. Um, Discord is a thing, and people can talk on it, and you can actually record podcasts on it if you. Uh, oh yeah, there or are. Or I guess record chats. yourself. Yeah. Yes, um, and you can just you do this thing where you're like Craig, because for some reason the bot is called Craig. So Craig, enter this channel, and then it starts recording. It's weird, honestly. It's a little bit machine acting for you but you know that is that's all good there are different bots in the different servers that i'm in all the ones in like the steve tony ser server are like jarvis and friday and jocasta <laughs> <laughs> like named for comic book bots which is great. ah friday yeah all right so let's move on to our uh challenges and our challenges that we have accepted and that we have definitely watched and read and and done all those things for um it might not remember we might not remember <laughs> well i think we can each we can go in two rounds and just each take one of our challenges at a time and uh yeah so who would like to start should we first lay out who was challenged to what by whom just for like, well i don't think we remember yeah i think we can just go around robin okay yeah, we'll get we'll get to that I guess I can start. Um, well, I was challenged to watch *Parasite*, an Academy Award-winning film. Um, by please supply me with the director's name, Tamar. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and um, it is a scary movie. Um, and wait, is all you took away from it that it's a scary movie? No, scary it's not woo. all I took away from it. But like. It, it it got so weird that like it really freaked me out. Like the weirdness almost freaked me out more than any of like the violence. And like I I, I mean it was a very good movie. Don't get me wrong. Totally get why it won the Oscar. Um, and I'm I'm glad that I have seen it. Um, but I watched it in like the least possible scary circumstances, which was at, starting at like four o'clock today on my computer. <laughs> in the kitchen and <laughs> i still got really creeped out by it Sorry. um they're just like no no it's good it's it, the, the the tone shifts i found like mm -hmm. really visceral and intense 
Um, and there's something so like melancholy about the movie. Um, I guess if if you don't know, the parasite oh, is. Oh, don't don't spoil because <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm okay. not. No, I'm going to give a brief. Just give a like a, a very basic overview. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. It's a it's a South Korean film um, about a poor family who uh, comes to be through various mechanisms employed, huh? Through various cons. Yeah, various cons. Basically, they're a family of con artists, and they and they uh, or they turn into a family of con artists, and they uh, wind up employed by this extremely wealthy family um, while deceiving them as to various realities and. Um, Things don't get better from there, I guess you could say. Um, and it's it kind of, like, trades between, like, this, like, intensely slummy, you know, uh, their, their home, which is, like, a, a half-basement um, and just, like, really gross. And then this, like, immaculate palatial, like, modern home. And, like, almost that contrast just, like, just, like, shocks you of itself. Um, but... Yeah, no, it was a very good movie, um, and I don't think I'll be watching it again, although I might rewatch some scenes. The characters were interesting, like, it, it, it kind of, like, went back and forth between, like, oh my god, like, these characters are just, like, so on point, and then sometimes it was like, are you characters, or are you, are you kind of, like, social avatars, you know, of, like, wealth and and lack of wealth, and, you know... But yeah, I'm I'm gonna be thinking about this one. <laughs> I, I I definitely there are definitely some there's some imagery and there are some questions that you're left with in the end that I um might try not to think about, but will probably end up thinking about. Um, this isn't spoilery, but did um the way that they translated certain things to like American institutions and stuff like they I think at one point they say that he likes the, the friend studied at Harvard instead of like mm-hmm. the, the Korean university that he actually says was that off-putting to you like did that throw you off at all or did you not even notice it um I thought it was a little weird but I assumed like one of like the, the friend at the beginning mentions that he's going to study abroad mm-hmm. so I sort of just assumed that like that was a thing in in wealthy and this like wealthy set of people that people would just go and take on oh, yeah. Amer- American names and you know yeah it was just that it was like a question of, I saw floating around when it came out like people were very confused why the subtitles were the way they were but uh, he always works with the same translator and so the translator mm-hmm. apparently had his approval to like instead of using like a Korean messenger app they said Facebook or something at one point I think oh they said WhatsApp they can't oh, yeah, I, was, WhatsApp. I was like do they use WhatsApp in Korea I didn't yeah know. I mean you, you can but people don't so yeah so they translated cacao to um, WhatsApp which like I remember when I was seeing it in theater I was with a friend who was studied abroad with and we were both like what and it, it was like very off-putting and I spoke to some Koreans who also were like yeah it was like kind of weird but then like i read a few articles about it i was just wondering how like you felt about it. i'm just curious sorry that's a total non sequitur but are you happy with the challenge i yeah i mean I, again i'm glad i've seen it it's it's about time i should have seen it already but like i, I don't remember the last time i watched like a really like an oscar nominated movie it might be the shape of water if we're being completely honest i haven't watched the shape of water so i haven't I seen should. that one it's either. okay it's all right it's beautiful it looks mm-hmm. gorgeous it's yeah, only okay it. though, um, but oh, I guess Black Panther was after that, so I did mm-hmm. see Black Panther. Um, but um, one thing that that I was glad about um, is that you know they, there's so much social commentary 
in it. And a lot of the stuff you're just, you're just missing because of the translation or because of, you know, you're just not like in that culture. Um, but I did watch a, a cooking video about Ramdan, which is like, apparently like a, a, a dish that you, you throw really cheap ramen packets in and then you, you cook it with like sirloin steak or something like really expensive. And like, it's, it's kind of a representative of the, the class clashes um, in the movie. And I was like, ah, okay, I get that. I understand what, what the messaging is here. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like the, like, if you want to look, like, fall into the well, like, there's some really cool tweets about the, this cinematography, how, like, line usage, it, like, they're, the characters are always separated by lines, like, whether it's a wall that's, like, cut off or a window or something. It's really interesting. He's, he is so cool, smart. He is such a visionary, like, Bong, Bong Joon-ho. I am obsessed. Yeah, I had that sense at certain points where it was even just like the, you know, because I feel like at the beginning of a movie, you can always be like, oh, I kind of get what he's doing with this shot. And then like, as the movie starts to get going, you kind of like, you lose that because you're involved in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were definitely certain certain shots that like, stood out to me. Like, God, the thing with the lights was so creepy. Yeah, so I haven't seen this movie, but I have seen Snowpiercer, which the, was the movie. There's now a TV Disaster. show, which is different, um, but the movie starred um, Chris Evans um, in very not Captain America mode, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but Bong Joon Ho yeah, did not. not... <laughs> what? Bong Joon Ho did he not. He didn't like it. He, no, he like it was cut differently than he wanted and the american release was like a disaster and harvey weinstein nearly shut it down at one point like it was a whole thing that's fascinating because mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting i heard from some people that they were like they were like on a comic or something or a graphic novel and yeah there's a graphic novel. yeah and so like there were some things that were changed or like that weren't translated from the graphic novel to the screen same way I happen to really, really like it, um, but I definitely would not recommend it to Michal. <laughs> <laughs> My brother really wants me to watch Snowpiercer. I'm, I'm kind of. I don't like, know if the TV um, show good. is different. I'm assuming that it's like it's. I'm, sh- I'm assuming it's got a different vibe in general because it's a TV show and not a movie. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it's more like a cop show, which is weird. Interesting. Yeah, because like they they've got to come up with an episode of you know a plot of the week. So like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, actually, not necessarily that, you know, things don't necessarily work that um, episodically anymore, especially on cable or, or prestige TV. Um, I've heard I've heard mixed things. I've heard that it's like both like um, starts off kind of as a as a just cop show on a train. And then that it also then I've I've heard people say that it gets significantly better as the season goes on. But again, Although I do love David Diggs and hope to be his wife someday, um, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> SM, do you want to go? Do you want to go next? Okay, so I was challenged many moons ago to watch um, The Witcher. Uh, Tamar challenged me to that, and I watched it. And I enjoyed it. And I remember almost nothing except that I remember, I remember while I was watching it, slowly figuring out, wait, they're doing weird things with time. They're going back and forth. And I like, I couldn't quite put all the pieces together of where things were supposed to go. Um, But for the most part, I think I followed the general narrative. 
I'm sure that if I watched it again, I would be able to make more sense of it. Uh, but I did spend a significant amount of time trying to figure out what fabric Henry Cavill's pants were made of, because I was like, <laughs> I don't think they had whatever time period this is in, those those pants seem very modern. <laughs> and I was just like... I mean, a lot of stuff... Yeah, I know. Is, it, I, I wasn't like the thing, historical yeah. accuracy of it, just like I was like, those seem like extremely functional and like capable of like holding onto his body and stretching without ripping. Like, I want to know what fabric this is so I can make all my clothes out of it. <laughs> you should tweet the costume It was probably designer. a let's take advantage of the fact that we have I Henry know. <laughs> and, like, we all, in, like, I feel like The Witcher is, like, such a funny thing because everyone kind of was over him from, like, the DC movies. And now it's like, oh... Yeah, I've seen that like that um, meme that went around of like the opposite of cleans cleans up well should be grimes up good because somebody was like take Henry Cavill for example who has all of the sexuality of you know a wholesome water biscuit when in a suit but then you look at him as Geralt and he's a totally different person and I can definitely see that. So you enjoyed it? Um, I did enjoy it. I. There was not enough yes gear. That that's the name of that character, right? I think that's that's a universal uh, yes. thought. The best parts were Geralt and Yeskir, and obviously that's why like a lot of the fandom has coalesced around that ship. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there is a lot of there is a lot of ship, and like yeah, in the Podfic Discord, there are people who are still recording Podfic of it. So yeah, they. <laughs> I saw today there was a meme of like because there's the song of like toss a coin to your witcher um, and it's like yeah it's, yes that's the iconic that song. Uh, song and like it's very <laughs> classic and uh, at this point you know touchstone of the fandom and like very catchy and so there was just you know obviously remarking on Henry Cavill's physique there was you know bounce a coin off your witcher so <laughs> oh my god yeah it actually kind of drives me crazy because i watched the show first and obviously the character's name is yaskir which translates to dandelion um in polish or something like that some some kind of the ao3 tags they have everyone has multiple names which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very annoying um, because apparently they they couldn't they didn't want to translate it like that. I don't think it's even a direct translation because you don't they didn't want to do like like a, whatever flower it is that doesn't have a feminine correlation in um, in Polish. But um, yeah, so now we're kind of stuck between like dandelion and um, and slash dandelion, which is what I, I said at first while I was reading the books. <laughs> And then I just gave in, and I was like, it's Dandelion, whatever. Um, but yes, he is a treasure and um, must be yes. protected. And I, yeah, I really hope that the next season of The Witcher, whenever it may be, <laughs> um, focuses on him and Geralt's relationship more. Whether or not they end up I hooking don't think up. That's... <laughs> I did really, really, I really liked Yennefer, but I, I was... I liked her throughout, but I do wish that, like, she had stayed, you know, her original, um, yeah, before they magically fixed her, uh, her physical 
disabilities and deformities. I thought that was really interesting. And then I was disappointed to find out that the actress wasn't actually disabled and they didn't actually cast a disabled person. And then they magically cured her, which is uh, a problematic disability trope. It is. I mean, it, it has some kind of like, not not to like defend it, There, it's just like within the books, there's definitely the idea that like, like it's done specifically like wizards wouldn't like they would they they would refuse to to look anything other than like un, unnaturally perfect and like it's not you know whatever it's not an excuse it it is it is yeah yeah i mean it's not portrayed in in a positive thing she is a villain you know <laughs> um and it's not yeah. portrayed is she did you did you see him i mean villain? she's she's an antagonist more so than like she's not She's an anti-hero, I guess. Um, but she is not meant to be seen in, you know, as in a positive light as, like, you know, someone with pure motives. Um, she's obviously meant to be um, a much darker um, character and a much darker... I guess you could consider her a protagonist, but but not a hero. Meant to, I, think she, I think she's meant to be the protagonist, but, like, kind of... I think just, like, kind of counter to... To Geralt's like goodness like because he's just all gruff and evil and or pretends he's evil and stuff but then he saves the day all the time and he saves people but she like needs to kind of get forced into it just because of like her her life and stuff uh but I guess like I mean I should read the books because I should read the books you should read the books also if you've watched the show you haven't been spoiled for the books for the main series I, I think the from what I read the the, the show is like a bunch of short stories that took place before the start of the main series? Yes. So the first novel is called Blood of Elves, and before that you have The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny, which are two books of short stories that um, kind of lead up into the main events, but they really are kind of essential because you you don't understand who anyone is or why they're doing the things that they do or how they are emotionally connected if you haven't read the, um, the short stories. And not all of them are great, but some of them are, are really yeah. fun. Read The Witcher. Everyone should read The Witcher. <laughs> I'm blown away by certain parts of this series. I'm just honestly like... It destroyed Michal's life, is what she's saying. <laughs> it did a little bit, yeah. They were, they were, well, it was actually crazy, because I got up to like a really pivotal part. Looking back, it was the last time I was on the subway before COVID, and I was just like completely... Just like I, I, you know, I don't know that I would have like been like oh, I'm on the subway, but I, I just didn't see any. I was freaking out. I was like losing my <laughs> mind on the subway for this like crazy long. You know, I mean, it's such it's such a long game. The the particular thing that I, that that shocked me, but um, yes, very very much. Um, Are there like omnibuses? Because there's a lot of books. No, I don't oh, I think just so. Found the Witcher box set. It's Blood of Elves. The Time of Contempt and the Baptism of Fire. Yeah, so those are the first three novels, and then there's two more novels after that that you would have to buy separately. And then before that, there's the... So I should start with the ones before that, or I should just buy this box set? Yeah. Yeah, start start with start with the short stories. That's just the one I have been buying so much stuff. I would have gone in. I was waiting to get it at the library, and now the library shut down. <laughs> oh, no. You can still get audiobooks, I think. <laughs> what even are our lives? <laughs> You can get digital books, but I don't like reading digital books. But maybe I'll read the short stories and then. I did actually really like the audiobook, um, for whatever that's worth. I thought the the reader did a really good job. Well, just to get back to Yennefer for a second, because I'm thinking about it now. I feel like Yennefer is a character who like starts out with the potential to be a hero and then chooses to be a villain 
in order to cope with all of the things that are going on, she feels like being a villain is probably the best path that will give her the most control over her life. Well, I mean, what what do you mean by villain, though? Because, like, she's... Not to get too into the weeds on this, but, like, she's she's not doing particularly evil things. She's doing selfish things. Yeah, she's doing selfish things, and she's hurting people, and she's not caring that she's hurting people. And she's, you know, exercising power over lots of people. Yeah, she does a lot of villainy things, but you, you know, you get a sense of, you know, where she came from and what her motives for doing that are, and then gradually circumstances seem to be forcing her to rethink where she's at and possibly, you know, act for more unselfish reasons. But then the season ends, so. (laughs) (laughs) I will stress, this is the beginning of her arc. Just, just for, yeah. Yes. No, it definitely feels like, you know, an origin story. Yeah. Um, well, Tamar, what was your first challenge? Uh, so my first challenge, I'll go with hers, was the graphic novel Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Yes. Uh, I, if, if you're not familiar with it, Nimona kind of is like a, a mix between like fantasy and sci-fi tropes and the, the titular character is kind of a, I wouldn't say she's an anti-hero, but she's kind of like a questionable hero who uh, does things her own way, even when like she's a sidekick to a villain and the villain's like, no, we have to go by the rule book of villainhood. And she's like, that is dumb. So it's it's kind of funny. Um, I think it's like both making fun of a lot of tropes and like kind of like exploring them in different ways. And I thought it was entertaining. Well, and... the, the the hero that she's posed against is yes. called Golden Boy. <laughs> yeah, so the I would book say is not yeah. subtle. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. It's uh, let's see. Um, she's you know she oh, hold on where is it oh yeah she like her her she's the sidekick to supervillain Lord Ballister Blackheart and then his his like former friend turned enemy um is Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin and she's this you know magical shapeshifter and super powerful and they kind of like battle it out over her and I, I kind of like the the urban fantasy element where they're like we have jousting and also he's a mad scientist um and like there's pizza delivery yes and everybody communicates by video conference <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I I mean I did look it up and I saw that it started on tumblr and it was like this whole thing but um I enjoyed it I'm I'm grateful you um sent it my way because I have seen it before I just have never like picked it up I if there was a sequel I don't know if I'd be particularly interested in reading it just because like I feel like it was pretty like solidly done it's a finished story yeah. but I could have seen it continuing into a like a series of stuff like I'm on a adventures or something I thought it was fun that's pretty much my take on it I know people really liked it it won a ton of awards um but I like graphic novels and like short spurts yeah i thought it was fun also i i did recommend it once to a friend like on the basis of like this will super fun you'll love it and then he read it and he was like i am devastated <laughs> you know like the the second half of the book really hit him oh. hard oh no i'm trying to remember yeah i don't remember what happened now i i actually read it like when it was published online like as it was coming out yeah, so i so do not I remember how it and i was like oh yeah, this is actually pretty sad this second part <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like they, like she leaves and stuff. I mean, I don't want to do so no spoilers, spoilers, but, but I was, was but I was also and... like really happy because Blackheart and Goldenlord are totally in love with each other and they're together in the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was cute, like how things. I mean, it was just like you know the 
the trope of like romantic, like uh, like sexual tension between like the villain and the hero in this one. It, there was, there and was, it was just, like it's very, <laughs> it was very, it was very enjoyable the way that everything was depicted. So yeah, that was my my take on Nimona. I think people would enjoy it. It's a quick read, so it was like fun. Yeah, I read it like in an hour. Yeah, I mean it's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also notable for launching um, Noelle Stevenson as as mm-hmm. kind of a. I think that was her first professional. I'm not sure, I sh- thing. I see um, her a lot mentioned went... for like being known for Lumberjanes, but I'm not sure if that came after. Okay. That came after, um, and she also is one of the showrunners yeah. on She-Ra. So, um, oh, it, yeah. oh wait, isn't she the one who just got in a lot of trouble? She is. Uh, Haven't been following the drama. Who isn't? <laughs> no, that was a lot of drama. Yeah. Well, my second challenge was from SM, and it was the uh, romance novel Red, White, Yay. and Royal Blue um, by Casey McQuiston. Casey McQuiston, yeah. What's her name, I think? McQuiston. So, unlike Parasite, which it would have been in the realm of possibility of me sometimes seeing if I didn't hate movies... Um, I would never, ever, ever, ever have this. Because <laughs> Mikal hates love and fun. Well, yeah, I, I actually, I'm gonna stick with that instinct though because I was sort of on board at the start of the book, and then I just really started to dislike. I did read the mm-hmm. entire thing, um, and there were there were definitely some fun parts, but I think what really pissed me off was that it's like the it, it's 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 about the fictional first son of the first female president falling in love with the fictional um, prince of England. prince of England, Duke of Wales. I don't know. The no, important not, thing is he's the prince that of would be England. the prince of Wales. The yeah, he's the second. He's the, he's the second son. Um, so he's not he's not the heir. But um, it was so annoyingly classist to me. It just like. It, it felt like, and, and I'm not, I'm not like always super in tune to this, but it was just like, we are so young and so cool and so wealthy and everything we do is for charity, but we're just going to go spend the night in this incredibly expensive hotel room. Oh my God. And look, she's putting on her own concert and oh my God, she's moving her own speakers. Wow. The princess is so relatable. And I was just like, oh my God, shut up. Stop. I don't even remember like, and, and this was just that. a constant thing through the book. <laughs> Yeah, it was just it just really stuck out to me because because it's like, you know, oh, we're we're on, you know, we're we're for for social justice and 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 rights and reform and and all this stuff and then you're just like literally just going and living you could not have a more priv- privileged life than the kids in this book and I was just like kind of over it really fast. Um that said, I do understand why it would be an appealing escapist fun and and I don't mean an escapist in a bad way. I mean escapist in like a something you don't have to you know invest too much emotional energy in and, and can just enjoy. Um, I can see why it appeals. Um, it did not appeal to me. <laughs> That's Sorry. okay. I accept that you don't like fun things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I hate movies and I hate fun. You didn't hate Parasite. You just got scared of it. Yeah. Yes. I, I did, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm more annoyed that now that's in my mind and like, that's gonna just like be there. <laughs> so, 
some yeah, of that's kind of what Parasite does, um, though. So, like, that was kind of the thing. Yeah, but I would I would say I like Parasite more than I liked Red, White, and Royal Blue, although Red, White, and Royal Blue did not scare me as much as Parasite did. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read the books for Crazy Rich Asians, but I, from based on having seen the movie, um, I, I feel like, you know, there are definitely, you know, romances that are really excessive on the on the fantasy element of, you know, somebody, at least one person involved is super duper rich and things are ridiculous, you know, and like all the, all the, you know, the basic needs, you know, forget basic needs, but like everything you can possibly want, you know, is, uh, is taken care of because of money. And I guess I didn't feel so much that way with this one because, I don't know. It felt like, for me, the conflict didn't feel like it could be solved with money. It felt like, you know, being super privileged and being um, so famous and being in the public eye was definitely part of the problem. Um, So, like, even, you know, as you could have everything, you could have everything, but you couldn't have the thing that you really wanted. So. Sure, but, like, I don't know. Cry me a river a little bit. <laughs> and I just really liked the character dynamics. That was my main thing was just I loved the dialogue and the character dynamics and the way that they all, you know, are super snarky and make fun of each other, but are also extremely supportive of each other. And it, it was fun. I, I mean, I liked the, the emails. You know, there were definitely parts that I, I was I was enjoyed by uh, that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, but in general, not. Not for me. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to convince you to like it. I'm just, for listeners out there who might be curious about, like, what other dimensions this book might have. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I I think she just came out with her second book, or she's coming out with it? Oh, she just ca- announced that her second book is going to be released next year. So I'm very excited about that. It's another one, like, these are all, like... It's very clear that she came up through, like, fan fiction, and she's using all of the tropes of fan fiction in, like, all of the the ways that I love the most. Well, that, that that was something that struck me, like, and I wasn't, I'm not even sure how I feel about it, but it was like, oh my god, I'm reading the internet. <laughs> yes, and that's like, what I love about it. printed. It was, you know. <laughs> but I understand that a lot of people um, are hesitant because they're like, the internet is for internet and books are for books. Um, but I don't, I don't have that. Um, and I love things that remind me of, of fan fiction tropes and as long as they're you know done in a in a way that I find compelling with like characters that I enjoy yeah and so like her next book is going to be um a, I think it's called One Last Stop and it's like a missed connection sort of thing like you see some a stranger on a train and then like a romance comes out of that so it's like ah it's gonna be amazing fan fiction goodness <laughs> and I'll take it well, thank you for broadening my horizons, no matter how much I have. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, even if you never, ever let read a book that I recommend again. Although you might have to, because we're probably going to do this again. <laughs> oh, God, give me, uh, give me some time. <laughs> well, since I won't recommend a romance next time. Next time I'll recommend something else. Yeah, Michal, you can recommend a romance to me. Michal has yes, is not I definitely romance. recommend Red, White, and Royal uh, Blue to well, you. I know, but, but that's sort of a point, and uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'll just read that eventually. On my own. <laughs> I was going to get it from the library, but 
don't know if he has clothes. But I have we're a copy you can have if you want uh, it. The last thing that um, Michal, that we're going to talk about is Essence thing. And I think we're going to be, we're ready like past the hour mark of our discussion. And it's a big discussion that I feel like we're about to have. So I'm going to just talk about mine quickly. Um, my challenge yeah, Michal was uh, Bloodline from the Star Wars universe, the book about Leia um, in between kind of like, or like her, like the prequel to the new series and how she kind of got to where she was as the leader of the resistance sort of um and kind of like she was in politics and vader like the whole thing whatever anyway and like the shadow of vader haunts her um i i i enjoyed it while i read it but honestly i read it really quickly after we had our challenges and i had to go and check goodreads today because i honestly forgot most of the plot um like it wasn't it was it was good and it was intriguing for what it was but it's a lot of like political maneuvering and and it kind of gets leia from the like point a to point b to the start of like the last jedi and or uh was the last jedi the first force awakens the force awakens yeah sorry it's pre-force awakens one sorry i like kind of wiped that whole trilogy out of my mind because of the ending um (laughs) So, like, it kind of gets Leia just, like, to where she is. And and I think it's good. And there's some exploration of her relationship with Han and, and, and Ben and everything. And, like, there's a lot going on. And But I think it's, it, for me, it just felt like good filler for somebody who maybe is really into the Star Wars novels. Like, I, I'm kind of curious, Michal, why you suggested it. Like, do you think it's, like, a great work of Star Wars literature? Like, literature? I think it is the best book that has come out in the new Star Wars canon. Um, and I I fully take that along with the fact that, like, it's a fine book. It's not the greatest book that's ever been written. Um, I, yeah, I think it's more um, politically sophisticated and it gives more of a, it gives a nice look at an older legendary female character Mm -hmm. i feel like i I really do like the way leia is portrayed in in that book um i like her relationship with ransom castrofo who is like a a young upshot um uh new senator and they they kind of clash politically but find common ground um which is a thing that apparently used to happen in politics Um, and (laughs) yeah um yeah i kind of i mean now that you mentioned that, I do agree with you. I mean, I've only read the the like young Leia and Padme ones, but um, this was definitely more sophisticated as a book. Like this, this felt like it could have been more of a standalone book. That kind of just, if you're interested in Leia, even if you haven't seen the new movies, you could just be like, let me see what Leia's up to and see what her challenges are and see what she's dealing with and how she she makes people do what she wants or doesn't do what she wants. Um, so, I mean, it was enjoyable, but I don't. It wasn't something I'm going to read. Yeah. No, if you're not a Star Wars fan, I definitely, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, read this amazing book that just happens to be set in Star Wars. But I do think it also, it also kind of, it was one of the first books, not the, not the first, but one of the first like adult Star Wars novels that came out um, as part of the new book canon. Mm -hmm. And it, um, it definitely sidestepped a lot of what the old books did, which was like let's tell you about this ship and where it was built and what material it was made from and how many cannons it had and why it needed that many cannons. Whereas in this book, it's like, it got on the ship. (laughs) I think uh, based on the ones that I've read, it seems like this canon universe is much more aware that Star Wars has female fans. (laughs) And like there's several female 
fronted books. And I know there were in the other canon, but like it was like those were being written predominantly for young male audiences, I think. Uh, to be fair, I didn't really read a lot. I know everyone loves Mara Jade. Um, Mara Jade! But... Yeah, no, I haven't read a lot, but yeah, I do love Mara Jade. <laughs> but like this, I mean, I've read, yeah, like I said, I read like the Young Leia one and the Padme one, and neither of them were kind of as well, you know, ex- like they were both interesting and they kind of like were trying to kind of explain the characters that we kind of know and love. But this one was kind of exploring like her on a more... Uh, like visceral psychological level and kind of getting us to point A from point A to point B in a really interesting way. So I did enjoy it. Like I did enjoy my experience. I'm grateful that Michal lent it to me. I have to get you both your books back somehow. Um, yeah, by the way, SM, I need my Queen's Yeah, I still have your Queen's Thief books. books. I think I still have a couple of books in the Uglies series. I still have, yeah, I ha- still have your Wonder Woman signed by Lee Bordugo. Yeah. Oh wow. wow. Give that back to me. Oh wow. <laughs> I can't believe she shared that with you. Uh, but yeah. yeah so let's move on to our last thing. That's pro- I was gonna say like what you were about to say. Like let's move on to our last very contentious. Yes. Thing. Drama. Drama. Yes. No. In my Michal defense, I had no idea there was no drama. Didn't know the about time, the drama when I. But times have yeah. changed. It was literally the it was least the internet's happy place, thing. and then it turned out not to be. It was the least dramatic thing, and then... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, most of them are white, but I'm sure it's fine. Quote from me, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, to clarify for our listeners who probably don't remember what I was assigned for this challenge, um, Michal made me a playlist of a bunch of Bon Appetit videos. Um, to sample from various different chefs. And I watched them all, and I thought they were cute. Um, and then I went, I think I probably watched all the rest of Gourmet Makes because I just, you know, I enjoyed the, you know, the challenge of it and the, you know, the engineering and creativity of it. Um, I didn't really gravitate toward, like, any particular, you know, personality of anyone on the show. I just, you know, they seemed like, you know, nice people, but, like, it wasn't, I didn't quite get the, you know, the really passionate internet fandom that has sprung up around them. Um, and then the, it seems in the past couple of months, I think, I'm not sure of the timeline because time is meaningless in quarantine, but today is day 178. Did you know? I didn't know, but I Googled it. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I think it was, it was like after Black Lives Matter. So it was, I think after, it was like pretty. I think it was already, and we were like into June or like. Okay, so within the past I think three it was months, early or so. June. Yeah, not after Black Lives Matter. I just mean the George Floyd protests. Yeah, the, the recent resurgence in Black Lives Matter protesting. Well, they're still going on the protests, but I'm saying like the kind of big wave at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So then it uh, it broke that Black Lives Matter. Well, that that Condé Nast, who is like the the corporation. You know, the big evil corporation pulling all the strings on Bon Appetit um, had been employing a lot of diverse chefs to be in the videos, but not paying them what they ought to have been paid. And so they were interested in the appearance of diversity, but not in actual diversity and of amplifying um, and elevating minority chefs. And and all of the, it's it's worth noting, I think, almost all of the chefs who had their own shows were yes. were white. Yeah. And yeah. 
Um, and even though like some, like the person who fronted a lot of this, who, if you're familiar with what's going on, it was Sola. Um, and she, she was clearly running circles around them on the show is like how I, like she, she would head at a restaurant and she's, you know, an expert like, um, recipe maker and just like an expert in the field and stuff. And so, um, like, I think people noticed it, but people like, I think unless like someone said it to me, I probably wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, only like the white people have their own shows. But like the minute someone said it, I was like, oh, I guess I was being internal like being pretty privileged in whiteness at that moment for not even like recognizing that i i had noticed that there were no black people which i thought was really weird uh yeah it did seem to me that like solo was relatively new so i assumed that it was just i didn't know like i obviously mm-hmm. i was extremely new to this fandom because uh michal had just introduced <laughs> it to me so i just thought that like she was new and eventually she would get her own show and i thought that that was kind of how it worked but i didn't you know i wasn't aware that like it had been going on for so long and that still only white people got shows. That. Yeah, I mean, she she was new, mm-hmm. um, but I think part of the problem was that, like... But she wasn't even being paid for the videos uh, yeah. she was well, and, Right, exactly, yeah. And it, it, it was not necessary. Well, I mean, I, obviously you don't know what was actually going on in the kitchen, but, but just from watching the videos, it was kind of like a, you know, here you get to be this, you know, side character cameo appearance in a mm-hmm. video that, like, people really enjoy. And then, like not getting paid for that or, you know, and, and apparently with, with not a ton of, um, like, uh, like promises for promotion and, mm-hmm. and increased pay and stuff like that. Yeah. Like she's, I think um, she said something like they would, she would, they would position her in the kitchen just to be in the shot in the background. Um, mm-hmm. just so that it would yeah. look like, you know, like it was a lot of propping. Yeah. Diversity. That's really gross. So from what I understand, um, she's broken away at this point i'm not i haven't been following the most recent developments it's 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 kind of weird um so i mean the big thing was like kande kande when asked was torn apart by everyone on the internet which is like kind of the first time in a really long time i've seen like the whole internet rally around something that we all hate like are upset about and also, it was it was kind of the first time where it was like, oh yeah, I feel I feel. I mean, I'm really sad about Bon Appetit because I love yeah. Bon Appetit, but like, I don't feel bad in any way. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad that we found out some people aren't gonna get off their high horses and of privilege and speak up against racism. So that kind of made me disappointed. Um, but I will say, Molly really impressed me. I was really impressed by Molly. Um, but well, I, I I felt a little vindicated in that because, like, I I know some people who had really hated Molly, and I was like, and she was the first white staffer to immediately come out and be like, mm-hmm. this is not acceptable. I'm, you know, I heard that like um, Brad was on some kind of fishing retreat, and then everyone was like, he's going to come back, and the whole place is going to be burning down. And then he like posted on Instagram from his retreat, <laughs> saying that like, you know, yeah. I stand with so. And I mean, it it's also. It's complicated because, you know, so so the, the latest update, I guess, has been that Sola, um, Gabby Milan, who was the, um, who was the, the, the kitchen manager slash, I guess, somebody that they also used as, like, mm-hmm. a person of color to fill in in the background, slash having their, like, collective videos. Um, Priya. And she, uh, Priya and Rick. Um, Martinez. And, right. Um all said that they're they're still working for the magazine side, I guess, on the website side, but they're not doing videos anymore. Um, but the thing is, like, not everyone is contracted 
in the same way. So like Claire is not, I don't think, an, a Condé Nast employee. She was like doing a sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So it's it's not like everybody's in the exact same boat about saying things, but I don't know. It's uh, I was really interested by the like the fallout. How pretty much every single person still stays stayed tied to a, like you know journalism and food journalism, so not super lucrative, but stayed kind of tied into a a job or a potential for income. Um, and I had really thought, wow, Netflix is going to scoop them up like Netflix of course would you know reach out to Sola immediately and get a deal with her for a cooking show or something because like that'll be the best received cooking show in a while um but that didn't happen so I'm wondering if the corona environment kind of impacted people's decision to either to stay or you know other media companies not to like grab them up like Bon Appetit is super popular like and then with all this it's like everyone wants to support these people who have been very clearly uh, discriminated against. So I think like, I was really kind of shocked by the outcome. I think uh, I saw a really funny, haha, sad tweet. Um, that was essentially like Conde had all the opportunities to kind of like fix themselves. And they just were like, nah, we're not gonna. Um, so, you know, obviously, money is money. But there's a lot of crap about journalism and investments and stuff. If you want to watch the Patriot Act episode about why the news industry is terrible, it's because of investors. Um, so you can go watch that. It was a very good episode. Ugh, and of course, but, Patriot um, Act has been canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Hell. Um, and so I'm so mad. I love Hasan Minaj. Good. All the good diverse voices are like, oh no, only two, th- two, three seasons. But yeah. So yeah, I just was very interested by the kind of economic fallout. It felt very, very COVID-y. Like Rick, <laughs> Rick ended up buying a house in Mexico. Like he was just like, yeah, I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it was kind of comical, but also, like, I'm really wondering, like, are they going to try to relaunch the Test Kitchen, like, videos? Like, they said they are, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that I mean, I is guess work. middle America who doesn't, who doesn't mind racism is going to be happy with that. Like, like, oh, you know, they're still working there. But were they watching, were, were they watching Bon Appetit? I don't think I mean, so. It's, it's like, the, it's like peak coastal elite, mm-hmm. you know? And also, like, peak New Yorkers. I always was like, if you're not a New Yorker, you're probably like, what are they talking about? Like, Westchester and, like, uh, he's going to the Whole Foods in Union Square, like, in downtown and stuff. Um, Like, I just always thought it was, like, the most New York thing ever. And, like, the episode where they made, was it the pizza and they went to Carla's house? I was just like, damn, she has a lot of money. Um, Yeah, yeah. I know. Also, I mean, I, I do have to say, like, it was partly, and again, not that this reckoning shouldn't be happening, but, like, personally, those videos were definitely helping me with quarantine and, like, just being, you know, just, just kind of, like, seeing other people going through it and kind of, like, having that comforting point of view. Um, but obviously, there are, like, way more important things. Mm-hmm. And, um... I feel that. I was... I mean, the channel's still Sola there, right? and Babish? Like... It's they're still making yeah, videos. Yeah, I don't want to watch the videos anymore. Not as shiny now. Yeah, I'm not going back and watching. No, I don't think they have actually made any. Bon Appetit mm-hmm. has made any videos. They haven't because it's all any. talent. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't. There was also any. some drama with one of the editors with Hunzi, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really understand. It was really weird. Wasn't there like a blackface picture that surfaced what? at some point? 
Well, yeah, um, it was it wasn't blackface. It was there was a lot. Well, of that stuff. was the Adam Rappaport issue. The, <laughs> their editor in chief stepped down really quickly because um, someone pulled a picture of him um, that I think it was his wife had formerly shared on Instagram and since deleted, but someone had a screenshot. Um, and he was like dressed up like in brown face, like oh, I'm Puerto Rican. Um, spoiler, he's not Puerto Rican. It was a Halloween costume from like 2006 or something. Something it was like that. Bad like, taste. Bad, bad taste. Yeah. Um, and then like no, terrible taste. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Delaney had something which like you could like be like oh haha stupid teenage boys, but no, it still is like a sign of his privilege and stuff, and so. And then he released his whole statement the same day before they announced that everyone didn't get the money that they deserved and stuff. Whatever. I have a lot of thoughts and I'm I'm glad you got to enjoy BA before the shit show. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it was really interesting watching from like, because I didn't feel like, because I felt like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I was an outsider to the fandom, you know, and just like got this window that Michal gave me. You know, and then I got to watch from my window as the whole thing imploded magnificently. <laughs> it was just like, what is happening? Yeah. And it was like this, this like refuge. And again, again, this is absolutely a sign of privilege that like it was that it was this thing that I considered just a sign of refuge and not a, a place of refuge and not like politically connected um, or not politically. It felt like, like an unproblematic place. It's it, yeah, it was just kind of like people made memes and people were like, "Oh my god, are you a Claire or a Brad?" And you know, and it 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 to look back on that, it's uh just one last <sighs> thing about Brad. Like I, the whole time I was watching, I was just like, if Chris Pratt were a chef, he would be Brad. Like <laughs> he would. <be> Brad. <laughs> I'm I'm not very into Brad. I'm just like putting. This yeah, no, no. Like I had a hard time with Brad because. That's a particular personality. It's a particular personality type I that can't. I don't have positive associations with, and like he seems like you know he like he he has a man child persona, but he seems like a much more responsible you know adult person, you know than that persona you know, gives the impression of, you know, and I'm sure that he's a very nice guy, but it was just like I had all of these you know all of this all of these vibes attached to it that I was like I can't really watch his show <laughs> right like I I agree with you I didn't find him enjoyable to watch on his own I always liked him like when he was with other people I did like the editing on his videos I liked all the like yeah. little pop-ups and cartoon comments fun. and stuff like that that was fun well I think that was that was Hunzi, right? Who did that? Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that was Hunzi. I don't know. They were definitely on like uh, Brad's "It's Alive" videos. Like, I don't know who edits them, mm -hmm. but um, oh, he would say it sometimes. Um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, it was also just like I mean, I just in terms of Brad, again, not you know, I'm sure Brad's a perfectly nice person, but I found watching his videos <laughs> stressful. <laughs> everyone else, I was just kind of like, like even Claire when she was having a meltdown, I was kind of like enjoying. The process. I, don't know, I want Claire to have but you, like all the yeah. therapy and support she needs. <laughs> oh well, that too. That too. Oh uh, yeah. So like, if if he was, I I felt like yeah. So like Brad was the Chris Pratt, and I felt like the the only other person that I felt like I had an analog for was Claire. I felt like if Michal were a chef, she would be Claire. <laughs> <laughs> like I got very strong Michal vibes from Claire. <laughs> I mean, Claire screams neurotic New York Jewish woman. Like, yeah, she does. That's what she is. Yeah. <sighs>
That's a good call, though. Uh, which chef, would, who, which cook would you be? I did not really identify with any of them. <laughs> You're kind of a Sola. I'm, I'll take it. Yeah, I was gonna say Priya. Like, kind of that, like, free spirit. Which one is Tamar? You have to now label everybody. Oh, Tamar's Andy. <laughs> I'm not sure I see it. I'm not happy about that, but I... Andy, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say, uh, what's his name? Chris. Uh, no. No. Yeah, yeah no, this is it's wound very tight. I used to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... I mean, honestly, like, I'm the mo- thing I'm most sad about is, like, that this was all such good, like, seemingly nice and entertainment that's just, like, these people are relatable, and also they're cooking all the things I will never cook. And, like, Chris is, you know... Seemingly, like, godly replication of recipes without his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, without his eyes, with his eyes covered. Um, like, I, I feel like they kind of, they did have a good niche, and it's kind of like, I am i can't wait until the next people step into that, because I love cooking shows. But Great British Bake Off's coming back, so I'm okay. Um, but, I don't know, I think it's kind of, like, bittersweet. But also, I mean, I guess they couldn't have continued forever and ever, but... I'm glad. I'm still glad. I'm just repeating that. I'm glad that SMU got to enjoy it untainted by the disaster of racism and Conde being terribly racist. Yeah. I'm never going to get hired by Conde. I am. I still don't even understand. Like, I don't know who made these calculations that, like, diversity sells enough that it's worth investing in the appearance of it, but it doesn't sell enough that we can't actually pay our talent for it. Like, I, I just feel like there's something wrong with the math. Well, I think they can get away they with it. They can get away with it, yeah. Paying their Pe- talent for people it. Can, people want to work, and if you're discriminated against and can't get jobs, or you have, like, a history of, you know, getting less pay. Yeah, but I just feel you're like gonna, you're gonna if you know job. that the content will sell more, if there are more diverse people in it, then, like, why don't you want your content to sell more? I mean... That was honestly why people, I think, were really shocked after, the, after you know, they announced, like, oh, yeah, we couldn't come to a decision. It was like, they are literally, all you have to do is be like, you can have however mon- much money you want. And, like, then Conde will, you know, become, like, the, not, like, the bastion of wokeness or something, but, like, they can become, you know, leaders in, in media reform or something. And, like, media is grappling with racism. Instead, it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like why yeah it's a bummer claire's cookbook's coming out at some point i see i don't even know if i want to support it anymore which is sad i know but i was i was really unhappy with her response but don't you want to know how to make a homemade m&m i, mean, I, could <laughs> I know the, the m&ms, M&Ms were a disaster, disaster. <laughs> actually I have to say, I'm I'm confused because I thought you could just do candy coating that you could like buy in a store, and it was actually the candy coating was really simple, and that seemed to be the part that was most. But she was making her, it from scratch, and I was very confused. Yeah, but candy coating, she wasn't even doing. I don't that. I don't know like, how candy coating know. works. Okay, well, she magic. also had a problem temp. Well, she had a problem tempering chocolate. So yes, she should know how to temper chocolate if she's a if she's a. It's weird. I I wonder in retrospect if she actually can temper chocolate, and they were just needing a reason to get three on, um, to get uh, Sola on screen. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I get and and like you can be an expert in something and still have some part of it that you're yeah. not good at. You know, it's, that's not yeah. crazy. But like, um, but she is like she's a baker. That's mm-hmm. her. I, I believe her primary. Um, yeah, I think skill she's set. A, so I like, think she has formal pastry chef. 
training. Yeah, so like chocolatier and pastry chef aren't necessarily overlapping. I mean, you should be True. able to temper chocolate, I think. Yeah, no, it's like, like she knows the process of it, you know? She just has a really hard time getting it to actually yeah. work. True. Yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah, she doesn't need to be perfect at it. Uh, oh, but that was, now I'm missing it again. No, I was going to dress up as her for Purim and See, like. I'm telling you, it would have worked I don't know perfectly if I that anymore. <laughs> I know, I know, I missed the Purim. That would have been cool. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I did dress up for like, Purim. It I was know. just before lockdown, and I, I dressed up for Oh, well, we should, we should do a retrospective on, like, the last <laughs> Yeah, I dressed up as Elizabeth God, Warren. That was, <laughs> that was a day. Ah, well, anyway, um, we hope you enjoyed our uh, shared... Uh, what would I call again? Challenges. Yes. Challenge <laughs> That's a hard accepted. Word. Um, we hope you enjoyed. We hope you enjoyed our challenges. Um, you can always throw challenges at us. We may or may not respond to them if they're horror, um, especially movies. if they are movies and or romance <laughs> books. Yeah, Parasite um, is not a horror movie. It's just not. It's scary. It's scary, but it's, it's a not, psychological horror. It's, it's a, a thriller. Psychological thriller. thriller, but it's not a horror. Like it's not like. The birds. I mean, there's no, all kinds no, I mean, of it's, horror movies. No, it's shocking. But, um... It's... Yeah. It's the horror of humanity. Yeah, I mean, psychological horror yes. is horror, in my opinion. I don't think... I'm just... I just don't think anyone, like, is like, oh, Parasite is a horror film. It has scary... Oh, we'll get... We'll get yeah, my friend Avishai. I was, thinking, I was like, Avishai would know. We'll have that horror <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he'll have a couple things to say about that. But, in the meantime... Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Tamar Writes on Twitter and Instagram. And um, if you want to order my very exciting new book about BTS, the K-pop group, the K-pop record-breaking, historic, amazing, wonderful people, um, you can buy BTS Blood, Sweat, and Tears at any bookstore. Support local bookstores if you want to request it into your Barnes and Noble in store. That'd be nice too, uh, because Barnes and Noble seem really sad lately. And I've gone in to go scope out and see if my books are there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my plug. Woo! Woo! <laughs> and listen to our previous episode where we interview Tamar all about the book. SM, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me um, on Facebook and follow my public posts there. And you can find me um, on Amazon. I have an author page, uh, which is, I think, amazon.com slash author slash SM Rosenberg. Um, and you can buy my uh, fiction there, mostly short stories. But there is one novel that I wrote when I was 16. So be nice. Um, yeah. Cool. And as for me, I'm on Twitter at Ink as Rain. You can find some of my writing at hypable.com. Uh, as for us at Nice Jewish Fangirls, you can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can send us an email at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook. And you can, of course, leave us a five-star rating and review on uh, iTunes, which we would greatly appreciate. Or your podcast listener platform of choice. That that would also be good. Um, and, of course, if you would like more information about our amazing, wonderful editor who allows us to do this podcast and remain sane. Uh, please, please check out Jamie Bloomberg on Twitter. That's Jamie underscore Bloomberg. And find their website at jamberg.me. So thank you so much for listening to the Nice Jewish Fangirls. Uh, if we're not back before Rosh Hashanah, Shana Tova, everyone. And um, live long and prosper.